We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Lakers Nation, welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. This is the LakersNation.com podcast solo show today. Just me, and I've got a number of different Lakers topics I want to get into. We're going to talk a little bit about Taylor Horton Tucker and a Drew League performance from him that, um, well, it's got a few Lakers fans a bit concerned about that. We need to talk a little bit about Russell Westbrook getting clowned on social media yet again. We'll also talk uh, about a few other things from Summer League, a little bit about Cole Swider, of course, everybody's favorite Laker as of this moment. But we'll kick things off with Kyrie Irving. Before I go into it, though, quick reminder, everybody, if you wouldn't mind, over on Apple Podcasts, give us that five-star rating and review. Takes you about 20 seconds. Great way to help out the show. And if you're watching this over on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, make sure you are subscribing to the channel and don't forget to turn on notifications. You know we're going to be right here whenever news breaks, bringing you all of the analysis. All right. Speaking of which, Kyrie Irving. We talked about this on our last podcast. No, I did not have to find a way to sneak out of my daughter's birthday party because Kyrie Irving news did not break. Still a member of the Brooklyn Nets. So what's going on as of this moment? Well, this is where I'm getting a little bit concerned is that now Summer League's over. Summer League is done. Executives have left. Now... The problem is people are going to start going on vacations. And that's where trying to negotiate a trade in the NBA becomes that much more difficult. Not to say it can't happen. Look, we're in the digital age. We're constantly connected, sometimes annoyingly so. It's just the way it goes. It's the world that we live in now. But but trying to get a deal done now is just logistically a bit more difficult than when everyone is at Summer League and they're seeing each other and you're face-to-face and you can try to make things happen. It seemed like there was some momentum heading into Summer League that maybe something would get done, and yet here we are. No Kevin Durant trade, no Kyrie Irving trade. Now, the Nets, I think they're probably going to try to bring Kevin Durant back. They were underwhelmed by the offers for KD, and perhaps keeping Kyrie Irving might be some be a way to placate Kevin Durant and make him a little bit more acceptable of the idea of coming back. Now, we've heard rumors that KD is still wanting out, still demanding a trade, from Brooklyn, but again, four years under contract, Brooklyn is in a pretty good spot to call his bluff if they want to and just tell him, sorry, you're under contract. We couldn't find a trade that we like for you, so you're going to have to come back and play 
until we do find a deal. The question then becomes, can the Nets either just bring Kyrie back next season and say, sorry, Lakers or anybody else who might be interested so far, I think it's really just Lakers, or can they look at Kyrie and say, you know what? Let's trade this guy. Let's try to get as much stuff as we can right now because next summer he's a free agent and we're pretty sure he's going to bounce at that point. He's leaving. He's going to go somewhere else. Let's not let him just walk away for nothing. Let's move him. Let's get something for him. With the tricky part being that if KD is still on the roster, that stuff that you get for Kyrie has to be stuff that can help you win right now instead of future things like draft picks and things of that nature. So I do believe the Lakers are being patient in this situation. I do believe... They are trying to figure out some way to make something work. They haven't moved on to the proverbial plan B or C or D, which I do believe exists. Again, we've seen Rob Palenka do it in the past with the Kawhi Leonard situation. When Kawhi Leonard said no, the Lakers instantly had a backup plan that went into place and it worked out great. They won a championship with that backup plan. I do think there is a backup plan in place. And the fact that the Lakers haven't executed that yet, well, it might be a sign that they are still trying to pursue this Kyrie thing. I do believe that that's at the top of their to-do list is to try to figure out a way to get Kyrie Irving, ideally before August 4th, which is when LeBron James can sign that contract extension. However, it's also worth noting that among the backup plans that are out there, some of those might not be ready to go right now either. For example, the Utah Jazz could be a landing spot for Russell Westbrook, who we're going to talk about as well in just a bit. Russ... If you were to go to Utah, it's not going to happen now. It can't happen at this moment. It's not going to happen until the Jazz make a move with Donovan Mitchell. Once they fully commit, let's say they trade him to the Knicks. That's been the rumor. Once they fully commit to a teardown, a rebuild, they're going to try to just focus on getting picks. And man, they got a lot of them from the Minnesota Timberwolves in the Rudy Gobert trade. Once they do that, then, then they'll be, they'll be open to getting more picks by taking on Russell Westbrook in exchange for some veteran players, whether it's Jordan Clarkson, Mike Conley, Patrick Beverly, William Bogdanovich, whatever it is, right? That's what they'll do after a Donovan Mitchell trade. So if that's the backup plan for the Lakers, that's also not ready to be executed, just as the Brooklyn Nets might not be ready to pull the trigger on a Kyrie trade before they know exactly where they stand with Kevin Durant. So it might just be a waiting game for the Lakers. The San Antonio Spurs could hop in as a third team. Also another just potential straight up landing spot for Russell Westbrook. Should the Lakers decide to move him for the likes of say a Josh Richardson or Doug McDermott, maybe both of those guys throwing a pick or something off you go. Maybe there's some stuff that the Lakers can do there. Uh, the Pacers still remain an interesting option, Buddy Heald continues to be a target for the Lakers. Eric Gordon, also a potential target as a plan B, C, whatever backup plan for the Lakers. Should they not land Kyrie Irving? But I still think Kyrie is the top of the list. But once again, we're just on Kyrie watch. Um, there's been reports and counter reports and so much information going on out there. And nobody can say with any certainty at this moment when or if it's actually going to get done. So for now, let's move on. Let's talk about some other stuff that's going on in the world of the Los Angeles Lakers. And unfortunately, we're going to start with something it's not all that pleasant. We're going to talk about Taylor Horton Tucker. THT, this season, it's incredibly important for Taylor Horton Tucker and the Lakers. What can they get done with THT, and why is it important that he really hit this season? Well, today, well, yesterday, if you're if you're listening to this on Monday or watching this on Monday, THT went to the Drew League, and it did not go as well as Lakers fans would have hoped, and in one particular area, and that set off 
some Lakers fans. THD put up a stat line in the Drew League of 14.6 boards, three assists. Okay, not bad, I guess. I mean, not not certainly not LeBron's stat line when he was there the other day, and not quite what you expect an NBA player to do in the Drew League. But that's not really what's troubling Lakers fans. It's not like the fact that he didn't put up 30, 10, and 5 or something that's really bothering Lakers fans. No, what's upset Lakers fans is that he was one for eight from three in this game. Now, eight shots is a tiny sample. It's a it's a nothing of a sample size. It's not nearly enough to make any kind of a reaction at all. You can't take anything from that and say conclusively that you can predict what he's going to do next season. You can't. Whether he shot eight from eight, whether it was one for eight, four for eight, it doesn't matter. Eight shots is not enough of a sample size. However, however, I understand why Lakers fans are concerned with THT and the house that he was building at the Drew League. The reason is last season he shot just 27% from three, which is a career worst, despite shooting three attempts per game, which was a career high. And if you've seen any bit of Taylor Horn Tucker, you understand how important the three-point shot is for the offensive game. The guy can get to the basket. He can drive to the rim. He's got some crafty finishes. He relies probably too much on his right hand, and that has created or necessitated the crafty finishes. He's got to shoot from weird angles and stuff because he primarily just wants to use his right hand. But whatever, he can do it. He can do it. He can finish at the rim. He can get into the paint. He's a decent passer when he gets there. He can kick out to open threes. He's pretty good at finding the big when the opposing big drops over onto him. He can do stuff when he gets into the paint. However, if he's shooting 27% from three, opposing defenses will not care about him when he's behind the three-point line. So what THT needs is just to get to league average. That's all we ask. 35% from three for THT. That's all we're looking for. 35, okay, 36%. Right in there, defenses will care if he's behind the three-point line. So this is imperative to THT's offensive game. And the fact that coming off of his worst three-point shooting season of his career, fair to mention that he did tear the ligament in the thumb of his shooting hand in preseason last year. Perhaps that set him back, but there was a lot of optimism that THT's three-point shooting would come around this summer. He was going to put in the work, not tear a ligament in the thumb of his shooting hand, ideally, and would be much improved this next season. Once again, one for eight. Eight shots, not enough to build any kind of conclusion off of, but eight shots still that he missed seven of. And that that has upset Lakers fans because they understand how important this is. And for the team, THT is so important, so important because he's the fourth highest paid player making about $10 million. Check this out. Go around the NBA. Look at some of the best teams. Look for that guy that's making about 10 million bucks. This is who we're looking at. Let's jump over, speaking of bucks, to Milwaukee. Guess who's making about 10 million? Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis is going to make about $10 million. What do you get out of him? You get consistent production. You get a guy that Brooke Lopez gets hurt, you plug in Bobby Portis into the starting lineup, and you keep on trucking. Bobby Portis gets it done on a nightly basis for the Bucs. Is he a star? No, but he's a high-level role player that you can count on. Pat Connaughton is going to make about that. Same thing. Is he a star? No, but you can trust that he's going to use those hops and come in and grab some weak side boards. He's going to knock down some threes. He's occasionally going to sit in the dunker spot and he's going to get you some buckets there. Milwaukee likes what Pat Connaughton brings, and he's going to bring that on a nightly basis. 
Robert Williams for the Boston Celtics. Same thing. Got $10 million. What's he going to do? He's going to protect the paint. Night in and night out. Injuries are a concern, but he's going to be an elite shot blocker every single night, and he's going to give you that. You over over to the Warriors, the champs, Kevon Looney, right? He actually, I thought they got a great value, great bargain with his new contract, but he's going to make less than $10 million. And again, as a big, steps in, consistent production, can do what they need him to do. Not a star, but he can pass the ball. He can rebound. He can do some things in the paint. He can be the, the bully ball type guy on occasion. Kevon Looney, nice bargain. Jay Crowder for the Suns, same thing. Same thing. Even if he has a poor shooting night, he's going to defend every single night. He's going to be able to defend the other team's best wings. That's critical for teams. It's why all teams right now are looking for three and D wings, and Jay Crowder can certainly do that. So the point is that the best teams in the league, we can even mention Dylan Brooks for the Memphis Grizzlies. They've got that guy, and sometimes they've got multiple of these players. Like if you look at the Clippers with Robert Covington, now Nicholas Batum, you've got guys that you can lean on that are role players, but they're not minimum guys. They're high-level role players. And that is what the Lakers need THT to be, and he's not going to get there if he's shooting 27% from three. His ceiling is capped. The Lakers are paying him to be their Bobby Portis, to be their Pat Connaughton, to be their Robert Covington, their Robert Williams, their Kevon Ludi. They are paying him to be in that tier We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And he's not. And the only way he gets there is with the three-point shooting coming up. And there's other stuff he needs to work on, too. We talk all the time about the defense about the wingspan, about the potential that he's got on that of the floor, hasn't translated just yet, right? So I'm not saying it's just shooting. There's more to his game that needs improvement. But if the shooting doesn't get there, he isn't going to get there, period. And so that's why Lakers fans, on one hand, Lakers Nation, the reaction on social media to THT shooting one for eight from three, it's a little bit overblown, but I understand why. There's a lot riding on THT shooting, and that is going to be a big storyline coming into this next season. All right, let's move on. The next guy that we need to talk about, a little little bit more positive here, slightly, it's our guy, Cole Swider, the amazing Swider-Man. We go from one guy who's not shooting well and just made Lakers fans sad with a one-for-eight shooting performance, and we go to Cole Swider, who shot 53% from deep 
in the summer league. In summer league, Cole Swider shoots 53%. And man, the Lakers, they put out on Sunday a video package of all of Cole Swider's three-point makes. And I'll tell you what jumps out from this. What jumps out from the this video package is, first and foremost, just how smooth the shooting stroke is. It's a thing of beauty. It's art when Cole Swider is shooting that three-point shot. It takes me back to Svi Mikhailuk, except the shot's going in that much more often. Incredible stuff. But what really stands out, what really pops, is how rarely it's coming off of a play. Like the Lakers, their summer league team, they very rarely ran a play to get Cole Swider an open look. It did happen a, a few times, but in most of his made threes, it was happening just by Cole Swider playing basketball, just by somebody getting into the paint. Swider reads it appropriately, relocates to the, the correct spot, gets the pass, and drills it. That stood out, that it wasn't happening off of set plays. He was just getting buckets by just being a smart player and putting himself in the right spot, not by having the team diagram some special play just to get him a look. That definitely stood out, and I think that's really important on a LeBron James-led team that you've got a guy who knows how to do that kind of stuff. So that's one thing, the pop from the Lakers uh, display of all of his made threes. But the other thing was how many of them were contested. He's got such a quick trigger on his three that most of these shots, they're going down, they're barely touching the net. It's good the moment it leaves his hands, and he's got a hand in his face. He's got a defender right there closing out, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that the defender is right there on him. The shot is still going up, and it's going in. Really impressive. Now, again, I don't expect him to shoot 53% from three forever, right? That's it's Look, he would be the best shooter in the NBA next season if he does that. That's, that's, just, that's what we're talking about here. That's how ridiculous that number is. 53% from deep is bonkers. He's not going to shoot that great. But if he can be 40 plus percent, which I think is in the range of outcomes, did it last year in college at Syracuse, shot 41% from three, you've got something here. You've got an elite NBA caliber skill. The question now for him becomes, what else can he do? Can he, and the biggest key is, can he defend? Can he defend? Because if he can, then man, the Lakers uh, scouting staff has found something. Imagine, we've talked about this. How many teams out there right now are looking for three and D wing players? That's what they're looking for. Everybody, every team in the NBA right now is looking at the roster and saying, you know, we could use some more wings. Even the Clippers who are ridiculously loaded on the wings are saying, you know what? We could use some more wings. I talked to my buddy, Keith Smith, who does the front office show with me. And we were talking heading into the off season, Jason Tatum. Jalen Brown, right? I mean, you've got two of the better young wings in the NBA. I asked him, what do the Celtics need? He said, well, we probably need more wings. It's what everybody wants. Everybody's looking for guys, and specifically guys who can shoot. Cole Swider went undrafted for a reason. With every team in the NBA looking for that, looking for guys who can shoot on the wing, there's a reason why he went undrafted. And I think it's the defense that is really going to be the big question mark here. But if... You're the Lakers, and your scouting department can find Cole Swider, and everybody knows he can shoot. Maybe they didn't know he could shoot quite this well. But if you can get the defense, if you can get him even to be an average defender, 
league average. Again, we're just asking THT to shoot 35% from three. That's it. If Cole Swider can eventually, I'm not saying it's going to happen this season, but if he can eventually become a league average defender, the Lakers may really have something here with him because of this shooting ability. Now, once again, don't expect him to shoot 53% forever. But man, that was a lot of fun watching Cole Swider shoot the basketball. It really did feel like every time he shot, it was going in. And it was, I mean, how different did that feel? After we saw the Lakers last season, we just talked about Taylor Horton Tucker. There's this weird thing where Lakers players in general, anytime you put on a Lakers jersey, your three-point percentage drops by 5 to 10%. It just seems to happen historically. Three-point percentages come to die in Los Angeles for some weird reason. Maybe Cole Swider will turn out to be the exception. But regardless, he was a lot of fun to watch. And again, 53% from deep. Somebody lock this man in a gym. Go get Michael Cooper. Go get Ron Artest. Go get whoever you can and just drill defense with him for a, for the next couple of months. Because if that happens, if he can be a decent defender, who knows? Maybe we do see him a bit more than we thought we would next season. Now, unfortunately, it's not all great. Max Christie. 35th pick in the draft. No, a lot of Lakers fans are really excited about him. Even my guy, Sean Davis, very excited about Max Christie. Did not wind up shooting well from behind the arc. Max Christie, 20% from three on the summer league schedule. That's it. 20% from three. 27% from the field. He didn't just shoot poorly from three. He shot poorly from everywhere. That's not good. That's not a good sign. I will say his defense was as advertised, if not better than advertised. His defense was really good. I was really impressed with what he did on that side of the ball. The shooting did not come around. And here's why this is kind of a big deal, right? On one hand, it's summer league. Just as we say, Cole Swider, he's not going to continue shooting. Again, the amazing Swider man. He's not going to continue shooting 53% forever. Hey, summer league, take it with a grain of salt. All that stuff, right? We're going we're gonna to say the same thing about Max Christie, but guys like Cole Swider, guys like Max Christie, a lot of their value is tied to their shooting ability, right? It's tied to them being high-percentage shooters. Look at Duncan Robinson for the Miami Heat. He's not a great defender. He's a passable defender. So what he has to do is he has to be not a good shooter, not a great shooter, but an elite shooter in order for it to make sense to have him on the floor. If he shoots 37 38% from three, his defense isn't good enough to keep him on the floor. You're better off getting a guy who shoots 35% from three and is a better defender. And that's what exactly what the Miami Heat did. Cole Swider could potentially wind up being in that category. Max Christie will also have a lot of his value tied to his shooting ability. Now, again, he's already got the defense piece in there. If you had Max Christie with Cole Swider's shooting ability, we, well, I mean, we're probably talking about a top 10 pick then. If you had a, a dead-eye shooter that can defend the way the Max Christie does, particularly at 19 years old, you've got an incredible talent there. Max Christie's shooting form is great, but the shot just doesn't go in that much right now. Now, 19 years old, I think maybe he just struggled a little bit trying to figure out where to get his looks from and get used to the, the rhythm of the game and the speed of the game. Totally normal for a 19-year-old player to struggle with that kind of stuff, but it's going to be important for him to get that shot to start falling. Again, not for the same reasons as Taylor Horton Tucker, though because he's more of a Danny Green style where his ability to stretch a defense is going to be important. Otherwise, if he can't, then his defensive abilities on the other end 
are going to go to waste because you're not going to be able to have him on the floor offensively. Nobody's going to defend him. If he can shoot a respectable percentage from three, and I do believe he ultimately will, he could be a three and D defender in the mold of uh, the aforementioned Jay Crowder. A Danny Green can be more of a two-guard version of, of that, two or three. I think that's ultimately what we're looking at here with Max Christie, but he's got to be able to knock down that shot. Again, I'm not out on him, but it just wasn't a great summer. And a lot of his value on the offensive end of the floor is going to be tied to that shooting percentage. So he's got to get better there. But again, the Lakers invested the 35th pick in the draft. They traded up. They paid cash. They gave up a, a second round pick as well, a future second in order to get him. They're going to do what they can to develop him. It just was a little bit underwhelming of a summer league debut, despite the admittedly really good defense from Max Christie. So something to watch between now and preseason. Can Max Christie get that shot falling in 19 years old? Wouldn't shock me if he came out in September when we start. Well, I guess October is first week of October is preseason. If he comes out at that point and his shot is looking a bit better, and he's looking a bit more confident because I know he's going to put in the work. But again, summer league, a little bit shaky for the 35th pick. Let's talk a bit about Kendrick Nunn. So Kendrick Nunn showed up to the Drew League as well. And he mentioned that he might have to play a little bit. Mentioned this on Twitter. And a lot of Lakers fans piled in his comments there and had some things to say. Some unkind things to say to Kendrick Nunn. There's a bit of resentment within Lakers Nation. Towards Kendrick Nunn. There's a sense that somehow he was stealing money from the franchise because he got paid last season despite not playing a single game. Dealing with an injury to his knee, a bone bruise, just would not heal. Every time he tried to ramp things up, his knee would respond poorly and he would be shut back down. We saw that multiple times over the course of the season. He would start to ramp up, his knee wouldn't be able to handle it, and he'd be shut back down. Well, of course, he picked up his $5.2 million player option because that's what you do when you didn't play the entire season. But remember, he was supposed to be a bargain on that contract. A lot of NBA teams were shocked the Lakers were able to get him on that deal. Everybody assumed he was going to opt out of that contract this summer and cash in somewhere in free agency, a la Malik Monk. That's what we expected Kendrick Nunn to do. But because he didn't play a single game, he wound up opting in. But Lakers fans have this, this resentment at least I've seen Lakers fans have this resentment towards Kendrick Nunn. And Nunn responded to it on Twitter, asking that everyone keep that energy. I wish he had used any other phrase, any other phrase. Just say, keep talking or, or something like that. But no, he had to say, keep that energy, which of course brought everybody back to LeBron last season using that phrase when fans primarily of other teams were criticizing the Lakers for having an older roster. LeBron said, keep that energy. And of course, we know how that turned out. So Kendrick Nunn, hearing all of these complaints about him not playing a single game last season, uh, said, keep that energy for this season. Again, wish he had used a different phrase, but but still high on Kendrick Nunn. If he's healthy, and let's assume that he is, and he's able to come back this season, he should be able to return value for the Lakers. Again, people were shocked when the Lakers got him for a $5 million salary for the taxpayer mid-level, a portion of that taxpayer mid-level last season. So to have him this year on $5.2 million, if he's playing and he's playing like his old self, he's worth a lot more than that. So I think he could be a nice value. And if that's the case, 
it's essentially like getting an extra free agent because, again, the Lakers didn't see him play last season. I think he could provide a boost. Once again, he's clearly hearing the chatter about himself, and hopefully that's going to cause him to come out this next season with a chip on his shoulder and something to prove. Lastly, let's talk a little bit about Russell Westbrook. Again, another situation, social media clowning Russell Westbrook. Uh, Jeremy Sohan, Spurs rookie, was participating in a game where he was holding up a little piece of paper that would have a, a word on it or a term on it, and someone else would have to try to get him to guess what that was without actually using that phrase. I mean, tons of game shows have been based around that concept, but in any event, uh, the phrase was triple-double. That was what he had to guess, and the host throughout said Russell Westbrook gets lots of these. And Jeremy Sohan, without skipping a beat, said bricks. And, of course, that made its way around social media. Uh, he, he later got the right answer. He even had to respond on, on Twitter and then try to explain that he wasn't trying to take a shot at Russell Westbrook or anything. But in that moment, just a quick blurted out reaction to what does Russell Westbrook get a lot of? The answer was bricks from Jeremy Sohan. Now, I know Lakers fans, Lakers Nation, there's not a good relationship between Lakers fans and Russell Westbrook right now. There's a lot of negativity about Russell Westbrook, probably to the point where, frankly, we, we probably go a little bit too far, right? He's probably a better player than we give Russ credit for in general as, as a Lakers community. He doesn't have that equity built up with Lakers. You see a lot of Thunder fans who are upset at Russ's treatment in Los Angeles, but Lakers, we didn't see. We didn't see the good years of Russell Westbrook. We saw last season. And last season was the worst season in Lakers history. And Russ was bad. Russ was bad in it. Don't come at me with the, the counting stats that he put up, the 18, 8, 7, and 8, or whatever it was. Russ was bad last season. If you watched the games, if you suffered through them like we all did, you know Russell Westbrook was not good last season. There's plenty of blooper reels out there showing you just how bad he actually was. But... I still think there's a better basketball player in there that a lot of people give him credit for. But the reason why I bring this up is because when you look at Russell Westbrook, the top 75 player of all time, this is where it's got to be extra frustrating for him in terms of being a Los Angeles Laker and how poorly last season went and why it makes total sense if the rumor of that is former agent put out there about Russ wanting out of Los Angeles or implying that Russ wants out of Los Angeles. Of course he does. I would be shocked if he didn't look at how poorly last season went for a top 75 guy to the point where now what you're hearing a lot of anytime his name gets brought up, it's negativity. It's just constant negativity about Russell Westbrook. Again, he was bad last season, so there's reason for that. But what happens is, as a player gets older, what you don't want when you are a legend like Russell Westbrook, right? He's, he's going to be a Hall of Fame player. He will be in the Hall of Fame. He's, a, he's already top 75 all time. There's no question he's one of the greatest players to play the game. We did not see that last season. Lakers fans didn't, but over the course of his career, He's one of the greats. 
you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. How much does his legacy get tarnished by this last season? There's a lot of heat that he's been taking for how bad he was this season, for the side of the backboard bricks, for missing layups, for missing dunks, for not competing on the defensive end of the floor, for getting backdoor cut nonstop, for the messy turnovers, for all of that. Patrick Beverly clowning Russell Westbrook in Minnesota, telling everybody he's trash. Um, Carl Anthony Towns yelling to close a door when Russ airballed a three. All these things that happened last season, how much does that tarnish his legacy as one of the all-time greats? So again, that's got to be, on top of the fact that, that Russ, it's frustrating when your athletic powers do start to go, when they start to diminish, when you're used to be able to just hold down the turbo button whenever you want. When that starts to slip, it can be frustrating for an athlete. I'm not saying that Russ has diminished athletically to a tremendous degree, but I think we can say he's probably lost a step. And that's frustrating in and of itself. But then to face such a negative backlash, that only adds to the frustration for a guy who, again, has been an all-time great. What does this mean for his legacy long-term. This is certainly not the way you want to spend one of the final years of your career, however much, however long that is. Remember, Russell Westbrook is a free agent after this season, opted into that player option. And this is where I see Lakers fans fire back, right? And say, you know what, Russ, if he doesn't want to be a Laker, he had the opportunity to not be a Laker. Just don't pick up your option. I mean, I think most of us, if they were in that scenario, would choose the money, would choose the money, would take the $47 million. But nonetheless, we've seen the negativity towards Russ seep into other fan bases. There are fans around the NBA for a lot of other teams that have a very negative perception of Russell Westbrook. And it's clear it's among other team personnel, team executives as well, because everything we've heard is that any team who is going to take on Russell Westbrook is demanding a first round pick. Part of the reason why his agent wanted him to stay in Los Angeles, because he didn't want Russ to be in a trade where Russ was so clearly valued as a negative asset because, again, what does that do to his legacy? And for a guy like Russell Westbrook, that has to be something that's on his mind. He wants out of Los Angeles in order to repair things, but how's it going to look when he's traded in a deal where it's very clear that the Lakers have to pay extra just to get rid of him? Tough spot to be in all around. And again, if what Westbrook's agent said is correct, former agent said is correct, 
about how Russ feels, I don't see how the Lakers can actually bring him into training camp. So once again, all leads us back to Kyrie Irving or is it time for plan B? Find out which path the Lakers are going to take. Lakers Nation, give me your thoughts. Let me know in the comments section if you're over on the YouTube channel. Don't forget, make sure you do subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. And of course, over on Apple Podcasts, give us that five-star rating and review. Subscribe wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, whether it's whether you're on Overcast, which is a podcast app that I, I like to use, Spotify, again, Apple Podcasts, wherever it is, make sure you do subscribe. We can keep you up to date. Till next time, everybody. Appreciate you joining me. Stay safe and see ya. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.